the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As Christians, ours is a life of contrasts. Contrasts that we'll take a look at in depth on this weekend edition of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. A quick survey of the New Testament, and you get the idea that ours is a life of contrasts. You were, but now you are. You did, but now you do this. And here in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 17, we get a, another idea of the living in contrasts that we are to be called to as believers in Christ. Hi there. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Join us, won't you? Again, 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 17. Here's Pastor Phil. It's a blessed thing if God has chosen you to suffer for what is right. That's, that's a tough one. I just, uh, I'm reading Stephen Oates. He won the Kennedy Writing Award for writing the life of Martin Luther King. And he, he picks up King's Montgomery, the 50s and the 60s. He was killed in 63. So he gives that period of time. See, I only watch civil rights on, on a black and white TV. Because I'm I'm California boy. I don't know anything about Mississippi. I don't know anything about Georgia and Alabama. And most of you, if you grew up here, you don't know that. Most of you white kids, you don't know what civil rights were. You don't even know the battle. That's why you need to read a Martin Luther King. And King, when he went to Boston University, he bought into a lot of the uh, liberal social gospel men. But out of that, a hero was Gandhi uh, to him. Because he was amazed that Gandhi could uh, resist the British uh, government and do his march to the sea and bring, try to bring down the caste system, try to bring justice, try to bring fairness without bloodshed, without violence. Now when King rises up, uh, while he's rising up, Malcolm X rises up and, and he says, kill, kill and let's go back to Africa. You had Farrakhan starting the Muslim nation. Let's, let's learn, hate white people, hate white people. Uh, you had Black Panthers in Oakland. Uh, so you had the militant groups. You had the groups kill whatever it takes. We're fed up. We're sick and tired. And you got this Baptist preacher down in Montgomery and leading the boycott because Rosa Parks says, I don't want to give up my seat. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm sorry I'm in a white man's seat, but I can't give it up. I'm tired old woman. I've been working as a domestic for 10 hours. And now you're telling me to give up a seat. And they shut down the bus lines. And black people walked in the weather, in the storm for a year and a half. Domestics all over Montgomery. Because 
We think we ought to be able to sit wherever we want on the bus. Is that fair? I don't hear you. Is that fair, white folks? And he goes out there and he says, uh, we're going to resist Bill O'Connor, the meanest sheriff in the South. And they watch O'Connor unleash his dogs on children. You watch the films, if you've seen the film, when you watch your black mothers and them sprayed by the hoses, slammed against walls, falling down, simply because they say, I'd like for my boy to ride on the bus. And what King had to fight is he said, the purpose of the movement is not to get you to hate white folks, but to hate injustice. Because if we hate them, they're going to win. We're already living with hate. We're already living with prejudice. How are you going to get even? Are we going to hate them back? No, no, no. We will not take up arms. We, we will pray. We will kneel on the, the bridge going into Montgomery. Because we're going to resist treating the people like dogs. And tell them which fountain they can drink out of. And what toilet they can use. With say sick. A hundred years ago a man by Lincoln wrote a check that said we are emancipated and you've never cast the check. It's time to cast the check. We ought to be free. And I won't shoot a bullet. I'll preach sermons. I'll try to mobilize. They finally turned kids loose because they incarcerated all the black men. 2,500 men in jail. No more prison. So they took children to the street. And the nation wept. When they saw kids being sprayed out, treated like animals. We've had a man that did it in our own generation. You don't remember it because you didn't watch. You haven't read it. You don't know what it was to be in Mississippi and Alabama in 1952. And treat it like nothing less. And you wouldn't be in an integrated church like this. But the love of God is bigger than racism. The love of God is bigger than color. It's bigger. It's better to treat you. I told Otis Wiley, who had a deacon's meeting, I said, Otis, just know I'd give up my seat for you any day. You could sit at the front of the bus because you're valuable. You're precious. And Peter's talking this way. We did not get saved to fight the Roman Empire. We can't vote in another emperor. We can't change politics. We can change the way the church acts in the world. We will give back love when we've been hated. We will not. Re- because our Savior did it. The most powerful man in the universe. Turned the other cheek. Went to the cross. And he had all power and all authority. And he said, I don't need angels. Stay home, angels. I'm going to the cross because this is the only way I can save sinners. Is somebody's got to pay for the evil. And he paid for the evil. So he says, so he says, when you suffer, verse 15, do two things. Treat Christ like Lord. Like Lord. And the word Lord means boss. In charge. Authority. You know, let's add, there's a question, a big theological debate. Is Jesus Savior and then maybe Lord later? 
Or is he Savior and Lord? Friend, he's Savior and Lord. We don't get to dice him up. You're good enough to die for me, but not good enough to tell me what to do. Who do we think we are? He is Lord. 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 He is is Master. And every tongue's going to confess it someday. And every knee. Tell O Nebuchadnezzar that the Ancient of Days is going to slay the nations and a rock cut out without hands is going to set up his kingdom. He is sovereign. He is in your suffering. He's sovereign. Not Nero. Peter went to his death saying, Jesus is Lord. I'm yours. I'm dispensable. And the axe and the cross won't end me. I have a Lord. And he said, sanctify him. Set him aside. Your Lord. And then he said, be ready to give an explanation for your hope. Imagine, I'm suffering. I'm watching brothers and sisters be martyred and be killed. And he said, the one thing you want to be able to say when they're giving you a bad time is, by the way, would you like to know about my hope? Are you kidding? Your hope? You're hopeless. Oh, no. Oh, please tell me a little bit about what makes you hopeful. Well, let me tell you a little bit about this word. Uh, The word hope, when Plato got the word hope, it went like this. Philosophers in Greece said hope is a subjective, a conjured up expectation. And in the Greek world, only fear or good was in your future. There's nothing neutral. But they said there was no object of hope. You created like a uh, positive thinking, uh, you know, motivational speaker. You can. You're, you're strong. So you whip it up. You, you talk yourself. I, I'm great. I'm great. Uh, I'm going to, uh, uh, as you fall over the cliff, you know, but at the same time, you, you're optimistic. You're optimistic while you're crashing. It was all conjured up inside. Then you get Judaism and, and Christianity that says things like, our God is our hope. Our God is our refuge. Wait, wait, you're acting like there's an object of hope. Uh, oh, uh, our God said he's going to come back and change my vile body someday. So go ahead and kill me, burn me, uh, throw me to the lions. Someday there's a song out now called Ain't No Grave Gonna Hold My Body Down. And there's one line I love at the end. She says, as you walked out of the grave, so will I. Oh, I want to shout right about there. Give me like he walked out of the grave. I'm walking too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nero, you can't take that from me. Nero, you're not in charge of the cemetery. I serve a Lord that's going to resurrect my body. He's going to bring me out. I'm going to reign with him forever. Ain't no grave going to hold my body down. Tell that to Nero. Oh, instead when I read the passage, I'm trembling. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to suffer. Do you have any hope? Oh, do I have a hope? He's coming soon. He's going to change our body. I'm going to reign with him. He's going to redeem us from a cursed world. He said, 
He is the God of all hope who fills you with peace and joy while you trust him so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, friend, I serve. He's the God of all hope. He's the author. You may be in here today and you're hopeless. I believe this culture is hopeless. They're dying without Christ. And when you die in a thirst, you'll drink water from any, any source. Uh, the drug dealer look is what quenches my thirst. One night stands, sex without commitment, sex without meaning, uh, videos pouring into me. I'm watching life. Have, I have no hope. I can't say anything is for sure in the future. But you, the weakest child of God, could say, I know this, I'm not going to hell. I know I'm going to heaven. I know Jesus is coming again. I know he's going to resurrect my body. I know he's going to reward me for doing righteousness. Oh, oh, I've got some certain things. I don't whip it up on my worst day. I've got it. On my worst day, it's true. It's based on his promises, and he can't lie. When will you come, Jesus? Oh, I wouldn't mind if you came right now. Right this meeting. I tell you, I remember Carol and I coming back from a meeting. Some of you can't find, you, you can't even relate to this because you ain't full of the Holy Ghost yet. Uh, is that uh, we're riding back, we're driving to Livermore, Rotter, and, and I reached over. I said, I want to feel your leg. I want to be sure you're still here. We, we thought it was going to happen that night. And I knew she's more saved than me, so I wouldn't be sure she was there. <laughs> you know, are you there? Are you there? When I grew up as a kid, if I came home and the house was empty, when I was an unsaved boy, I thought, oh, oh I missed it. He, he's done come. He's caught all the Christians. David and I were around, but we were going to hell anyway. <laughs> boy, I wanted some Christian in that house. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And he's going to reign. He's going to reign. He, he's going to reward you for all your suffering, for all the surrender. Tell him about your hope. I got a wonderful uh, friend, uh, oncologist, uh, uh, Jewish man out of New York City, uh, about 6'4", wonderful man. And I said, Jack, how did you come to Christ? Uh, became, got, went to oncology school in Houston and wound up in um, going to Little Rock. He had a friend uh, that went up to Little Rock, Arkansas. I said, what's a Jewish boy doing in Little Rock, Arkansas? Man, that's not, that's not kosher country. That's pig's feet. You, gotta, you, you better get straightened out, boy. And uh, I, I said, uh, what, what happened? He said, well, he said, I was a rounder. I was a womanizer. I was a, a doctor. Had my pick of any of the nurses, whatever. I partied. I did this. But I was making great living and doing all like that. And, uh, but he said, Phil, he said, it's a terrible thing to be an unsaved doctor to a bunch of Christians. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I told you I was in Little Rock. He said, Little Rock's got a lot of Christians. Baptists, Pentecostal, 
Babdaterian, Tyrian mixed up. They, 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 they got all kinds of folks. And he said, I, I'm attending to them. And he said, Phil, you got to know, I totally distrusted Gentiles. I said, what do you mean? He said, when I was a boy, my folks survived the Holocaust growing up in Brooklyn. I, I looked at any Gentile as someone that would kill me if he could. I have no respect for Gentiles. They killed my people. I learned to hate them, and I learned to be on the guard. So he said, anything much? And then all of a sudden, I'm up here in the Bible Belt with people dying, telling me about Jesus, that I don't even believe uh, that he's Messiah. I don't believe it. I'm a pagan Jew. I'm not practicing anything but sin. But he said, things like this would happen nearly weekly. Dr. Sternberg, I've been praying that Jesus would come into your heart. Now they got two days to live. And I'm praying that you'll come to know him because he sure loves you. And matter of fact, I've come to love you. He said, Phil, he said, even on a hardened Jewish boy, they just kept melting me. Then my fellow Jewish partner, he got saved. And I thought, God's sure enough ganging up on me. My partner gets saved, and all these boys, they were telling him their hope. Doctor, I'm not afraid to die. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to see him. Don't weep for me, doctor. It's you we're concerned about. It's you that needs to know him. It's you. Let me tell you this. In the midst of this culture, do we, anybody talking about your hope? You're telling anybody how you can have eternal life, how you can be forgiven, and you can survive even the warriors losing. I mean, you can make it. You can make it. You've got something to live for. What's your hope? What's your hope? Do you have a blessed hope? A blessed hope. Do you talk about it? Or does that mouth of yours always nag, gripe, and tell us something negative? You can't even quote a verse. Don't tell me you're walking with him. Don't tell me you're on fire about him. What's your mouth doing? May my mouth be full of his word. My mind meditate on him day and night. And whatsoever I do it shall prosper. Deliver me from nauseating Christianity that's cooled off and is vocal about everything but Jesus. I got an opinion on everything. Oh, shut up. I don't want to know it. Tell me how to make money. You do that on the side. But, you know, anything to alleviate. But do you have hope? Do you talk about it? Here, this context, he isn't on a university campus. We're used to apologetics, Ravi Zacharias, maybe at a university. No, no. He said, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of it, would you tell him, I've got hope. Besides that, I've got a Lord. That's why I don't want to return evil to you. I don't want to return evil. What are we giving to this culture? And then he finally says, keeping a clean conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will 
to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Think of how much suffering you did for doing evil. Lying, cheating. Some of you have got a whole path full of brokenness where you cheated in marriage, you lied, you were a thief, you got caught, you served time, you paid the fine. Uh, Most of life is suffering for doing something stupid and wrong. And then God says, you're going to find this hard to believe. I've chosen some of my people to suffer for doing good. I was just reading about the martyrdom of Polycarp when he was 86. He was the bishop of Smyrna about 86 A.D. And uh, they killed another uh, brother before him uh, named Germanicus. And the crowd was so bloodthirsty, they said, kill Polycarp. Called him an atheist because he didn't pay allegiance to the emperor. And uh, they pulled him into the Colosseum. He's 86 years old. And they got him in there. And uh, they kept telling him, if you just pay allegiance to Nero, if you just call him Lord. And the old man, 86 years old, Polycarp says, for 86 years I've served him and he's never done me wrong. How could you expect me to deny him now? My Lord and my Savior. And, And because of his age and his notoriety, the proconsul said, said again, maybe you don't understand. Polycarp, all you've got to do is tell me right here that he's not Lord. Just pay allegiance to the emperor. He said, all you atheists are the ones I'm concerned for. You're the atheist. I have a Lord. And I cannot give him up. So they came and bound him. And uh, when they wanted to... Uh, They took him. They were going to nail him uh, to the pyre and nail his hands down so he wouldn't get away. And and the old man, just look at him, 86. The old man just said, wait, wait, wait. You don't need to nail my hands. He said, I could stay in the flames without nails. I'm submitting to this. Let, Let me go into the flames without nails. So they did. They put him in there. And then all of a sudden he's singing. He's praising God. And uh, uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't roasting quick enough. And so the proconsul told the soldier, go stab him. And they went, and the flames were going, and stabbed him. And the way the wound came out, his blood put out the flame. The witnesses who were Christians said it seemed like a cloud enveloped. Polycarp, he said, it seemed like it it appeared, this is in Eusebius church history, he said, it just seemed like a a room was created where he was in this room by himself. He was kind of like the three Hebrew children, the fourth man was with him at the stake because he said, I'll be with you to the end of the age. I don't forsake my own. Guess what, Peter? You cut off a man's ear. You denied me three times. I want to change you to be a willing martyr. Polycarp, 
And for 300 years, Rome could not put out the church. And the empire that was to last forever became a has-been. And 2,100 years later, the church is alive and well. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone, and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station, we would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? One other note as we close out our time together today, if this broadcast and this ministry encourages you in your walk with Christ, and you happen to be looking for a church that does just that, we would invite you to contact valleybible.org. Pastor Phil is Pastor Emeritus at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, and while he is no longer in the pulpit, we are still very much a part of this church body. And we would invite you to come and join us for worship. For more information, again, valleybible.org or call 855-833-9864. And then we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Blessed be the name.